Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. I'm Lena and I'm here with Carolyn and Sam. Today we are discussing the parable of the sower. So last podcast we left you with the question of are you enabling others' strongholds? And we talked about hard ground. Sorry, we looked at the hard ground and the hard heart. That means that the seed of the word, which is not penetrating and taking root, and the liberating work of the Holy Spirit is being resisted. And can I just add as well, a really important um, thing that I said at the very beginning is that the condition of our heart is going to determine how receptive we are to the word. Very important. All right, Sam, can you please read the quote from Charles Spurgeon? Okay, this is a fantastic quote. Um by Charles Spurgeon, it says, We have a class of hearers whose hearts are hard, and yet they are apparently the softest and most impressible of men. While other men see nothing in the sermon, these men weep. Whether you preach the terrors of the law or the love of Calvary, they are alike stirred in their souls, and the liveliest impressions are apparently produced. Such may be listening now. They have resolved, but they have procrastinated. They are not the sturdy enemies of God who clothe themselves in steel, but they seem to bear their breast and lay them open to the minister. Rejoiced in heart, we shoot our arrows there, and they appear to penetrate. But alas, a secret armour blunts every dart, and no wound is felt. I just um, Before we talk about um, the, the end of that quote, I just want to mention um, you know, that first line, we have a class of hearers whose hearts are hard, and yet they are apparently the softest and most impressionable of men. The last podcast we spoke about how somebody who's got a hard heart does not necessarily present as a harsh, hard, unfeeling person. It's as Charles Spurgeon says here, um, you know, they are often um, soft and, you know, because they're wounded and they've got strongholds and that's why they're not receptive to the word. So it doesn't mean they're mean and hard in that context. All right, so that quote, that last sentence um, Sam read, it says, uh, no wound is felt. And that phrase really jumped out at me when I first read it, no wound is felt. So what do you think, Lena, that Charles Spurgeon was referring to by this? I think that there's no genuine repentance in the hearer. So they have guilt and they have remorse. Conviction is not leading to repentance. So it's just like yeah. that emotional, like, I've been caught out, I've done the wrong thing, yep. and then nothing. Yep. Yeah. So they have that pure emotional response but there's no will to truly change. And I just feel like reading the quote that it's like spot on that a lot of the people who I've seen that have been the most emotional or verbally like, yes, I want this and have also been the ones least willing to actually change. Like they've Mm. talked the talk but haven't walked the walk. There's that part in there. It says they have resolved but they have procrastinated. It's like... um, they ne- you never see the action that comes from their decision. Mm. And and what you're saying there, Lena, is, um, and we'll talk about this a lot more when we go on to talking about the shallow ground. It's people where the word is just reaching them on just a purely soul level, on an emotional level, but it's not taking root. And so, yeah, that's mm. what you're seeing there. Um, and I agree with you, there's no conviction. You know, we should feel grieved that no wound is felt. We should feel grieved and hurt and cut. Um, and, and, and the reason for feeling cut and stuff is because we realize how we've sinned against God or we've hurt God. 
and and that cutting is important and as you said with Ardit you're not actually going to have godly sorrow which you know leads us to repentance you just have that remorse which is where oh well you're sorry you got caught or you can see it and you're sorry but you're not sorry enough it doesn't grieve you and cut you enough to actually motivate you to change Um, and you know if you if you don't truly repent you're not there's no you know you're not going to be forgiven you have to repent and so it's really a dangerous place to to be where we're hearing the word and it's not cutting us um the word should offend us when we're sinning and it should be offending people who are sinning because we want them to stop and that's what it's designed to do um you know and, and i also want to say that a degree of shame is okay that's good that leads you to godly sorrow i think the whole harper love and harper grace movement now it's like oh you know you don't need to feel shame or you don't need to you know feel ashamed but we do initially when we've we've sinned because that is what leads us to that sorrow and i'm not talking about ongoing shame where you take on shame that you shouldn't be taking on but that initial shame that's going to push us to godly sorrow which in turn pushes us to repentance is important um yeah and if you don't feel that cut that conviction then, you know, even if you do, sometimes people will feel the conviction, but they'll actually push it aside and they'll ignore it. Mm -hmm. So it's important not only to feel it, but to actually respond to it as well because we need to repent because if we don't repent, then, yeah. Yeah. And when you're actually speaking, um, if if, let's say you're, you're speaking a word of truth to someone, you also have to be prepared that even if they do have that emotional response, you might not have had that word penetrate and so you can't just go away thinking that they've received it yep you actually have to look for the fruit fruit of repentance and that takes time as well to see yep all right so a sure way then to develop a hard heart is by being a hearer of the word of god and not actually a doer so do you want to elaborate on that lena and explain that bit further oh this is really our true test as a disciple are we a hearer and a doer of the word we listen to um, Jesus speaking in John fourteen twenty three. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. If you go through that chapter, Jesus emphasizes this point. He talks about it three times. He says, If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So it's really clear. So very clear yeah, yeah, if yeah. we really love Jesus, we will not just hear it, but actually do it. Okay, and that is that is our test because we can't really say we love God if we're unwilling to obey Him. Yep. And that's how we can see how important God really is to us. If He's really Lord of our life, then we will do it, even though it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and hard and challenging. If we will actually deal with these sin issues, deal with these strongholds choose to set aside the flesh it's all about submission isn't it yeah yeah obedience coming out of submission um and if you don't consistently apply the word of god to your life and that's doing it um then you are going to develop that hard heart so if we hear those convicting words of scripture and we just ignore it as carolyn says if we just push that aside over time we will become hardened and rebellious yep I want to read this scripture from um, 2 Timothy 3, um, verse 1 to 7. It talks about the last days, and I think this is um, just a bit eye-opening. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. 
People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness Mm -hmm. but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So these are people who look good on the outside. They're in the church, they look like Christians, but in truth they have hard hearts. They love the world, not God. They're not really, they've got hardened hearts, not allowing the word of God to penetrate. They're not being obedient to it. So they just look like it. But in truth, they're not obedient to God. Yeah. All right. Um, Sam, can you go on to Matthew 13, 4? Sure. Okay, so verse 4. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. And if we look at verse 19, we get the explanation. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So um, if we remember the seed is the word of God um, and the soil or the ground, it refers to our heart condition. um, And, you know, the word is presented to your heart so the seed is sown in the soil or the ground and those birds they're they're the demons uh, that come and snatch away the word they're the people who walk on the path and steal the seed sown there um, and you know if we if we accept the lie rather than the truth um, or we doubt God's word and uh, then then that's the seed that's been stolen from mm-hmm. our life you know um, people if we allow people to steal that seed away uh, then then that sort that seed's not able to penetrate the soil of our heart, and you know the harder your heart is, the easier for that seed to be stolen away yeah. uh, because you're there. So um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty self-explanatory. But do you have some stories to back that up? Yeah. So anyone got any where you've allowed maybe the enemy or people to steal seed from you, or you you know you know of people that it's happened to. No. Yes. Yeah. No, I just I couldn't really think soft. of a specific example. Yeah, yeah, like, I know that I have allowed this to happen, yes. like where I've allowed other people to discourage me and like God's called me to do something and I've just been like, I'm out. Well, that's why it's so deceptive because it happens all the time and you don't necessarily recognise it yourself. You probably recognise it in hindsight or someone else might recognise it in your own life. But when it's the seed, if you've got a hard heart, you're not necessarily going to notice the seed falling on it because it gets stolen and snatched away so quickly. But I think as well, like what, you know, the point here as well, that's all true and totally correct is that even if our hearts aren't hard, there's still always going to be um, the enemy who's an opportunist looking mm. to still see, still seed and um you know people as well like you say lena your heart's not your heart's not hard but you can still at times listen to people you know and it's discouraging and i agree with you there's like for me it was not a specific incident but i can just think about how many times 
I actually do entertain lies and yeah. doubts mm. and condem condemnation, and that is also a form of it being, you know, the seed being stolen because the word tells me this, and I'm actually allowing myself to entertain the lies and the condemnation. So yeah. Well, I, when I read this um, while doing preparation for here, one of the things that jumped out to me was the word understand it. Yeah. And I really came to understand that. That's not just a knowing it's there. That's it's a really an application. it's an application. It's like yeah. a wisdom about it because if you don't really understand that seed, that word of God, then mm. you're not going to know how to apply it. You're not going to action it out. Mm. And so I can actually think of times in my life where I've read a scripture and I ha I've known it's true because it's the word of God. I've believed it's true, but I haven't really understood how it applies to my life. And so it kind of gets push to the side a little bit mm -hmm. unless I go and study it and um, seek to really understand what it's saying and how it applies to my life, then that seed is going to get uh, stolen away. It's not going to be uh, taking root in my life. And I think if you go back to the analogy of the field, like, you know, the physical field and seed where the seed gets planted but it's still got to be cared for and watered mm -hmm. and whatever mm -hmm. and have all the conditions that, so, you know, we get the word and we may receive it and that, but we've still got to actively fight to, you know, like you say, to, to keep it and to start applying it because it will be opposed. Um, all right. So in areas, though, where you believe a lie over the truth of God's word, then that piece of ground in your heart can be hard, you know, because the truth, the word's not penetrating there. And that's what it means where it's hard. And so the freeing work of the Holy Spirit's not been accomplished. And that goes back to... You know, that scripture that Lena read earlier where it says it ends with like they have a form of godliness but yeah. deny the power thereof. Mm. So like you say, it's people in churches. It's often people that are on church boards and, you know, prominent people and whatever. Form of godliness but denying the power because the minute the word, you know, you want it to penetrate or cut or whatever, they are balking at that, balking at having to change all of things in their lives are being challenged and so you know, they're not allowing the word to work in their life. Mm. All right, so we've looked at the hard ground or hard heart. So that's where we're resisting the word of God. We're not allowing that, that can't penetrate through. So we could be hearing, but not actually doing the word of God. You know, so when we're ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we, you know, compromise on the word, we accept sinful behavior, that's when you can see that the word of God isn't penetrating through there. All right, so let's look at the second type of ground, the rocky places. Sam, can you read the scripture, Matthew 13, verse 5 to 6? Okay. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So, you know, we're talking about rocky soil. And when I first heard this parable when I was younger, I was thinking that it's, like rocky outcrops, like those rockery gardens that you have where there's bits of soil but rocks around it. Um, and then I realised that's not the case. So um, when a farmer in ancient Israel wanted to plough a field, the first thing he did is he actually went and pulled all the big stones out, got rid of them, prepared the soil, but he could only do that as deep as the plough went. And so underneath that depth, he would assume that there was good soil, but it wasn't always the case. So um, there in Israel, as far as I understand that there, there are limestone rocks, like big sheets of rock, 
um, that lie beneath the surface and beneath that plow. So if the plow goes down 30 centimeters, they're 20 centimeters underneath that. You might actually have a rock shelf and any plants above that's not actually going to go any further than that because it can't grow um, through the rock. So in that case, the farmer's doing all that he can to plow the field and doing his best, but he's never actually getting down to that hard soil or to that rock um, because he might not be aware that it's there. And so the soil is actually shallow. You've got fertile soil on the top, but then you've got hard, rocky ground underneath. So when the seed falls upon this kind of rock uh, or these rocky places, it sends the seeds send down their roots, but they can only go so far. And so all of that energy shoots up with the, uh, with the plants above ground. Um, but because there's no depth of soil, it has a really shallow root base um, and a rather big, lush-looking seedling that's happening there. And so you might, act, to look at it, you're assuming that this is going to be a really great crop. But when you look underneath the surface, you've got shallow roots. There's nothing there. And so when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant. And because it doesn't have that good root system, it burns. Um, it withers away. Um, and if we read... Uh, Verse 20 and 21, it says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Um, and there's a, a quote from an evangelist that said, We've learned that it takes 5% effort to win a man to Christ and 95% effort to keep him in Christ and growing into maturity in the church yeah and that's that's a sad fact of it isn't it you all hear about crusades and stuff where you know a lot of people might you know um put up their hand um to come to class but then later when you look back at the retention rate and and to me this rocky ground hearted christian clearly epitomizes that difference between conversion and discipleship mm. you know it's easier to start than it is to finish in the bible in fact warns us to count the cost before we start you know um to see if we've got you know we've got what we need to do it and so if, going back to that you know the, the rocky ground the seed germinates like sam said but the soil is so shallow and it holds so little nourishment and moisture that when the heat of the sun comes it just withers it and it dies and um you know as far as i'm concerned this is the type of heart condition the type of ground that this this current false love hyper grace attractional model that we are seeing in so many churches feeds and actively cultivates this um, shallow, uh, rocky ground Christian. Rocky places, shallow soil, no nourishment. Half a gospel is not nourishing. The full gospel is not being preached. You know, sugar is going to give you a high, but then you're going to come crashing down. And as far as I'm concerned, a lot of the preaching today is a mixture of marketing and worldly psychology, pop psychology, non-confrontational, non-offending, but no real substance. And, you know, a sugar-coated gospel is not going to bring conviction of the need to change and become Christ-like. In fact, um, you know, there's uh, there's even teaching out there about, you know, this is your time or your day or whatever, and these girls would have heard me, you know, go off about this before. But the Bible tells you you're going to be persecuted. You know, you're going to have to count the cost. Um, you know, there's a cost to following Jesus. And that's not getting explained to people and preached. So they're just getting all this... You know, it's all about you, 
and God's this big teddy bear that loves you. And so, you know, if that's all they're getting, it's stuff that's just feeding their soul, specifically feeding their emotion, but it's not penetrating into the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the minute hardship comes and they've just been fed all the sugar, they just can't cope because there is no substance. Because, you know, for a plant to grow, there's got to be upward and downward growth at the same time. Mm -hmm. As much as it's growing up, you need those deep roots to sustain it. So what would it look like to have um, rocky places in your heart? What would it look like in your life? And again, I've got a lot to say on this, so I'll let you girls talk first. Like I, I've seen people who, you know, when they first come to Christ, they're keen as mustard. You know, they're, they're gung-ho, they want to be a youth group leader, they want to do this, they want to do that. Um, they're all in. But if you fast forward a year down the track, two years down the track, you know, some, something comes on, maybe it's a boy, maybe it's a university thing, and they've fallen away and they're not there anymore, you know, because the something in their life has kind of gotten in the way and they didn't have that deep root. They didn't. They weren't necessarily discipled. They didn't have someone uh, leading them in, in how to actually uh, get to know Jesus, how to uh, apply the word to their life, and so they fall away. And, you know, it's really, really sad because... They hold so much promise. A seed holds so much promise there. And then because the roots weren't worked on, they're just going to fall away. Mm. And I guess it's also areas of your life. It doesn't mean the whole life. It sometimes can be areas of your life that that it, there's like a rocky hard place beneath that you only get so far in that area and you always only get so far you in that area. You go around the mountain again. Yeah, around and around the mountain. And it's until that hard rocky place that's beneath that surface broken. is broken, then you're not going to see breakthrough in that area. Can you think of a specific time in my life where this like epitomizes me, the, the rocky ground where like I looked really good on the outside, but I had no nourishment, no roots, I wasn't dealing with sin, like I wasn't even getting the word of God in to deal with sin. Um feel like it's thank you for the grace of God that I'm here today yeah, well, um, all of us it is <laughs> um but that that mm. was me that was like I, was, I wasn't getting any nourishment whatsoever but I looked so fantastic on the outside like I was so even if committed. you say so yourself she wasn't modest either was she? So, <laughs> I was there not now <laughs> no but like I was going to all the things I was doing yeah, all yeah. the things and I looked great on the outside but inside I was dead and I wasn't addressing any of those strongholds and, like, I'm just so thankful that I always knew that there had to be something more than this, like, empty shell husk life, mm. um, that I could seek God out more and, you know, that's when I chose to become a disciple. But that that was me and that was, like, a massive chunk of my time as, you know, being a believer was that. And I think so many churches just promote that Christianity. Yeah, yeah all the energy is put into the show. The stuff and on the, the top. And you go to, I, I usually go to your conferences and your, a lot of it is a social activity to keep people entertained sort yeah. of thing. Like you go from your next conference to the next conference and people get that emotional high because that's yeah. a really exciting time. Yeah. You're around people, you're singing praises to God, you're getting teaching and like there's a lot of energy and you feel good but, but it's just trying to push you along on your course through emotion. Um, you're not actually getting that deep work done.
done yep. down in your life. You're not actually dealing with strongholds and that sanctification. So you look great, but like you just have to go from conference and event to event and, you know, nice event, like to get that emotional high and that's how you survive. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's for me, rocky ground looks like the state the church is in today. People have sat in churches for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. There's been no change in their lives, no sanctification, no become. And obviously, I'm not meaning every single person, okay? Because obviously, there are success stories like Lena. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, just no sanctification. And and, and really, as well, look, I do blame. There'll be blame to be laid at what they've been taught. But also, that doesn't absolve you from personal Mm, responsibility to get into the word. But I, I think that the church is not teaching discipleship. That's the thing. It's mm. this conversion where Jesus is this add-on and there's no call to sanctification, which is, to me, the discipleship process. So no becoming increasingly Christ-like, no dying to self because none of that stuff's getting preached. Um, and so they can be sitting there and say they're Christian for 40 years, but they're still totally carnal. And, you know, it looks to me like the people who, who talk the talk they appear eager, as you girls have said, to hear and to learn at first, but then they never let you or the word, and when I say you, it's where, you know, if you're a godly person who's trying to talk into them, they don't let you or the word go beyond that surface of their lives. And once you start to actually touch their belief systems and to touch the nitty-gritty um, of where their lifestyles and behaviors get challenged, then that's where they balk and that's where they, you know, attack and then run. And, you know, this is what you class as a rocky, unbroken, unsanctified heart because they refuse to undergo that process. They refuse to allow their hearts to be plied up by the process of conviction. And, yeah, as you start touching those those belief systems. And, you know, we've dealt with a number of these types of people over the years. And, you know, the Holy Spirit has clearly shown me and my experience with them that very definitely what happens um, with these people who have rocky ground, and we've said it already tonight, is that, the truth is not penetrating into their spirits, into their heart. It's just at that soul level, that emotional level. And as Lena just said, they continually they need emotional highs or emotional experience to feed them and to keep them in a semblance of a relationship with, with Christ. And, you know, we've got to be so aware of what we feed ourselves on because, you know, we've we've got the word, which is what we should be feeding on, but we can also just take cherry pick and take parts mm-hmm. out of it that's like, you know, if you ate sugar donuts for lunch every day, yeah, you might get a lift straight away, but you're going to come crashing down and it's not healthy for you. And it's the same in the spiritual, like what you feed yourself on. And, you know, Lena, you talked about conferences and I've attended some of those as well where, you know, it appeals to people's emotions, to the soul, and that just gives that emotional fix. You know, I had somebody say to me, oh, you know, they need to go for, you know, every year they've got to have their conference because that's their emotional fix, you know, but... There's no substance and no teaching and, you know, I can remember coming away from one and just thinking, what an opportunity. There were like 16,000 people here Mm. and there's not a call to repentance. There was no sermon as far as I'm concerned that really cut in or was hard hitting or whatever, you know. There was one case where they apologized. Oh, I hope that wasn't too hard. And I was like, am I even in the same room? Like that was not anywhere near anything resembling a hard message and just even the altar calls there there was no weeping or call to repentance or anything it's just like an add-on Jesus is an accessory 
God wants God loves you and God wants the yeah. best for you. God wants to bless you. So put your hand up and come to Jesus. This is true, but you need the law to understand yes. your true status before God and yeah. how wonderfully saved we are. And and the scary thing about that is that you're making people hard into the gospel as well. So they reckon they've put their hand up and accepted Christ, but there was no call to repentance, so they didn't actually get, you know, repent. And so when things go wrong and they fall away, like I've tried Christianity, I've tried that, it doesn't work. They've got no root in the word and so they just need those emotions and like you said church becomes entertainment and you know the pastors and everyone it's about programs and trying to keep people motivated by entertaining them but there's no internal motivate motivation and then the problem with this is that when those emotions wear off or when some difficulty arrives because they've got no root they've got no anchor in the word they don't trust god in his word at that deep level and so they've got nothing to hold on to and that's where, you know, um, the scripture says, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So they just align that word into the shallow part. It germinates, it grows to a certain heart. Enough of a show to fool others for a time, um, but it's not going to be sustained because their strongholds need to be broken. That's that hard ground underneath. It needs to be plowed up so that the word then can go in and take root and to change them. And, you know, um, we dealt with somebody who'd um, definitely fall into this category very clearly. And as I said, often it can be a show for a time. And, you know, one day she sort of was coming whinging about stuff and said to me, oh, but I suppose you're just going to tell me I just have to trust God's word and just wait, you know. And, and that was because she wasn't getting what she wanted straight away and she just couldn't stomach an answer like that where, you know, the word says this and, you know, you're going to have hard times because that whole emotional fix and hide does not teach about the hard times that, or that you have to, you know, persevere and go through it. Yeah, so. Well, you're going to, um, you might have hard times that are going to, squeeze the fruit yeah, per se. It's yeah. it's those it's those hard times that are really gonna test whether or not the growth is genuine with root backing yep. up or it's that's what I say nothing kind of like growth. nothing like a bit of squeezing to show your fruit, <laughs> right? Yep. Indeed. All right, well let's wrap it up there, ladies. Um so there you go, have some thoughts to think about. What type of ground are you? Is there hard ground there? Is there rocky ground there? That's all from us tonight. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, please pop onto our website, www.life-house.net, and we'll see you next time. That's okay.